0: I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. I faith in Christ, my Redeemer King. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Then roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock of ages. Roll, roll. On the
1: in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 21, Jesus spoke to his followers about the events leading up to the day of the Lord. He told them about signs in the heavens, and distress on earth, wars, disease, and confusion. He noted that men's hearts would be overcome with fear. But then he said this, Now when these things begin to happen, look up, And lift up your heads because your redemption draws near.
0: Years of time have come and gone since I first heard it told how Jesus would come again someday. If back then it seemed so real, then I just can't tell. is today. Signs of the times are everywhere, everywhere. There's a Hope soon Christ Jesus will.
1: Thank you, men, for that timely reminder. And thank you for joining me for this edition of The Voice of Hope. I'm J. Mark Horst, your friend and Bible teacher. If you listen regularly, you know we're currently studying in the Old Testament book of Joel. Today, I'll present my final teaching from this book. If you take nothing else away from this teaching, make sure you remember this. God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God and what he has promised he will fulfill the day of the lord is coming the glorious kingdom will arrive in god's perfect timing it doesn't matter whether you believe it or you don't it will come so make sure you're prepared now if it's possible for you to do so i urge you to open your copy of the scripture whether that's print or electronic and get ready for my teaching the glorious kingdom from joel chapter 3 and verses 18 to 21. All of us look forward to certain events or milestones in our lives. As children, probably most of us had a strong desire to get older faster. You remember that? We saw that our older siblings got to do more things than we could. They had more privileges. And so we wanted to do what they could do. What we didn't realize was that with those privileges came greater responsibility. And that's a lesson, sadly, that many young people aren't being taught today. That responsibility and privilege go hand in hand. As a young teenager, I remember, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. After that, it was graduation from high school. Then it was a job, and dating, and marriage. At every step, there was a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement. Someone once said, anticipation is half the fun. You know, there's some truth to that. Even the scriptures use anticipation as an incentive to faithfulness. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus was talking about the events leading up to the day of the Lord, and he was telling his followers about the destruction of the temple and about the suffering that they would endure and about the violence and the wars that were going to be coming in the future. And here's what he said. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Did you catch the ideas of anticipation? In what Jesus said, one is negative and the other is positive. The negative is men's hearts failing them for fear. They anticipate the terrors that are coming upon the earth. But then the positive is for believers. They are to look up and lift up their heads because their redemption is coming closer. That sure sounds like anticipation to me. In our study of the book of Joel, we've come to the final verses. Our study today will be taken from Joel chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. The title of my teaching is The Glorious Kingdom. Now, as I've said before in my teaching, I believe in a literal millennial reign of Christ. The prophets seem quite clear that this will be a 1,000-year time period of unprecedented peace and prosperity when Jesus will rule over the earth from his throne in Jerusalem. Truly. That will be a glorious kingdom and a glorious time for all who follow Christ. So as we begin our study on these final verses, I will read our text, Joel chapter 3, verses 18 to 21, and I invite you to follow along as I read these words from the Lord through the prophet Joel. And it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, the hills shall flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness, because of violence against the people of Judah, for they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall abide forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will acquit them of the guilt of bloodshed, whom I have not acquitted. For the Lord dwells in Zion. From these words of the Lord through the prophet Joel, we learn several important details about this coming glorious kingdom. The first detail is the renewed land. Verse 18 begins like this, And it will come to pass in that day. In that final day of the Lord, when God delivers Israel once and for all, the land of Israel will overflow with his blessing. And the description of these blessings is very picturesque. It's very poetic. The mountains will drop or drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. You know, that reminds me of what God told Moses about the promised land, the land of Canaan, back there in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 17. God said to Moses, And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it seems like the Lord will supernaturally intervene to remove the Adamic curse from the earth so that it will regenerate rapidly after this time of great destruction. Remember, during the Great Tribulation, much of the earth's vegetation and water sources will be destroyed. But here, Joel says, the hills will be covered with vineyards, and the flocks and the herds that produce milk will be in great abundance. These are word pictures of peace and prosperity, and they're often used by the prophets to signify the favor of God and his blessing upon an obedient people. Even the arid desert, the valley of Shittim or the valley of acacia trees, would become a well-watered and productive plain. And so instead of dry wadis that only held water a few times of the year, the streams now would be overflowing their banks. And where was that water coming from? God said it will come from Judah and from the house of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10, we read about a river that flowed out of the Garden of Eden. It watered the garden, and then it separated into four different major rivers. Zechariah and Ezekiel both wrote about a river of water flowing out of Jerusalem, out of the Millennial Temple. And Revelation chapter 22 records Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now we know from other portions of Scripture that those waters flowing from Jerusalem will cause trees to grow in what once was a desert, and it will even heal the waters of the Dead Sea so that it will teem with fish. I've seen the date palm groves in that region of Israel, and every one of those trees has to be irrigated. And I've waded into the Dead Sea, and there is nothing living there. But that will all change with the coming of Messiah and this renewal of the land that he promised. While I believe this prophecy will be fulfilled literally for Israel and the people of God, I believe it's also a wonderful picture of what Jesus does in your life and mine when we accept him as our Lord and Master. He takes a life that was wasted by sin, and he gives it new purpose and new meaning. He brings fruitfulness to a life that was barren and empty. What a blessing it is to experience his power of renewal and restoration even today. And then there's another detail about this coming glorious kingdom. It is the revenge of the Lord. You might have noticed that Edom and Egypt are singled out by the Lord for his revenge. Both of these groups of people had a visceral hatred for the Jews. You remember when the people of Israel were in Egypt, the Egyptians practiced infanticide in an attempt to reduce the population. They didn't want Israel to join Egypt's enemies and then overpower them. And then Edom, that is the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, killed their blood brothers, or else they stood by while Israel was ravaged by her enemies. The historian Josephus records that the Edomites actually helped to destroy the temple in 70 AD. Now, where are those nations today? Well, Edom was completely erased by the Romans in 70 AD in the aftermath of that destruction of Jerusalem. And Egypt has been a struggling, poverty-stricken nation for centuries. So over and over and over again, the prophets pronounce judgment on these two peoples, these two nations. In fact, the book of Obadiah is exclusively devoted to the pronouncement of God's judgment on Edom. Now, it seems to me that God is using these two peoples, these two nations, as representative of what will happen to any and all who fight against God and against Israel. God will, once again, take vengeance on these two people groups to fill up the debt he owes them for their mistreatment of his people. During this climax of human history, the peoples of the world will learn, and they'll learn it the hard way, that it is foolish and futile to fight against God. But you know there's also a lesson here that you and I must not miss. For us to reject God or fight against Him today is just as futile and will result in our eternal punishment. You don't want to experience the revenge God will take on those who are His enemies, those who reject Him. Amid these extraordinary manifestations of wrath in the destruction of the wicked, Israel will be saved and they will learn in a new way that Jehovah is their God and their King. And there is yet another detail about this coming glorious kingdom. It is the residence of the land. In contrast to the destruction of the wicked, Judah and Jerusalem will be inhabited forever or for all generations. The prophets Amos and Zechariah also write about this theme. But I want you to hear what the prophet Ezekiel has to say on this subject. My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David my servant will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. That's Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-four 24-28. Remember, God gave this land to Israel as an everlasting possession in an unconditional eternal covenant with Abraham. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 17. The land that's promised to Israel in this future time will be a lot larger than the tiny nation of Israel today. It will stretch from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates to the Mediterranean. And according to Ezekiel 48, God will redistribute the land among the redeemed of Israel. And then there's a final detail about this coming glorious kingdom. It is the reign of the Lord. The prophecy of Joel ends with these words, For the Lord dwells in Zion. I believe the psalmist foresaw this day when he wrote, Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces, and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath, and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. So Messiah's reign will be global. The nations will be his inheritance. His reign will also be absolute in power and authority. He will rule over the nations with a rod of iron, according to Revelation 12.5. His reign will be completely righteous and just, Isaiah 11:3 and 4 and his reign will be characterized by peace, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And you know the prophet Daniel, he also predicted this time, like this, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Though these prophecies were given many, many years ago, we're still waiting for their fulfillment. The Apostle Peter warns us about scoffers who will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But what they fail to realize is that it is God's mercy that lengthens, at least from our perspective, the age of grace. Make no mistake about it. God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. What he has promised, he will fulfill. I know we don't understand everything about this future time and how it will all turn out. But if God doesn't keep his promises to his ancient chosen earthly people, the Jews, then where does that leave you and me as Gentile believers? I trust that this study from the book of Joel has blessed you, and perhaps it has given you a desire, a thirst, to dig deeper in this book. I hope our study has encouraged you as we have seen again and again God's proclamation of faithfulness to his ancient covenant people. I close our study with these words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11, beginning with verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown to you they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The day of the Lord is coming. The glorious kingdom will arrive in God's perfect timing. The question is, are you ready? Thank you, choir. Are you ready to be a part of this glorious kingdom? If not, today is the day of salvation. You know, the time will come when it's too late to prepare. Don't be caught in that condition. Life is short, and after that comes eternity, either in heaven or in hell. Now, if you'd like to review today's teaching or share it with someone else, you can request a copy. It's available either in print or as a digital audio file. Just ask for the teaching by its title, The Glorious Kingdom. Now the easiest way for you to contact us is by using our email address, hope at heraldsofhope.org. That's h-o-p-e at heraldsofhope.org. Or you can call us toll-free at 866-960-0292. Or you can mail your request to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. To review today's teaching or listen to archived programs, just log on to our website, heraldsofhope.org, and listen when it's convenient for you. While you're there on the site, you can subscribe to our newsletter, our blog posts, or even purchase resources. So check out heraldsofhope.org. If you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can send a check by mail, or you can donate securely online at heraldsofhope.org. You can also call our toll-free number 866-960-0292 to donate via credit or debit card. God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, will enable the voice of hope to be on the air until Jesus comes in the air. Now don't forget to join me next week for the voice of hope, and until we meet again,